If one were to tell a good story, one would have to say that it must be first grounded in fact and imbued with meaning. In other words, it satisfies our reason by being grounded in fact. By that, I don't mean that every good story is literally true, but that while it might be fictional, it at least has some connection to a plausible truth. Yet, it must also satisfy our imagination, telling us something important about the world that is not apparent from simple experience. Let me give you an example. Suppose I started to tell you a story. Once upon the time, there was a farmer who had a family. A severe drought came over the land. All of the crops failed. The family had eaten the last of their provisions. They were on the brink of starvation. You might think that sounds like it could be an interesting story. I wonder how the farmer is going to save his family. Is he going to go on an adventure to the city to find food? Is he going to come up with some clever way to grow crops despite the drought? Is the family going to pray and be visited by an angel bearing foodstuffs? Depending on the type of story, whether it's a religious story or a fairy tale or a morality lesson, any of those could be good plots. But what would not make a satisfying story is an ending like this. The farmer told his family to stop being so hungry, so they did. And no one starved to death, and they lived happily ever after. The end. That would be completely stupid, because it has no meaning. It has no connection with reality. It's not just factually implausible, it has no larger meaning to impart to us. That's why even science fiction stories and tales about mythological creatures and other fantastical things have their virtue in being grounded in some way in actual human experience. Even things that are made up are used to illustrate a truth. But by the same token, no one could tell a story in which there was simply a factual recitation of events without shaping the narrative in some way so that a larger meaning was made evident. Let's say you had a camera crew there 2,000 years ago to film a day in the life of Jesus from beginning to end. No editing, no interesting camera work, no highlighting certain things. Just 24 hours with Jesus. I guarantee you that to someone who had no prior conception of who Jesus was or what he meant in history, the resulting work would be boring as heck. Even if it was a day when Jesus did a miracle or said something very profound. Because without the context of who Jesus is or what he means, a literal, factual portrayal of a day in the life of Jesus would be dry and meaningless. All drama, all art, all literature is a selective presentation of reality. A representation, or perhaps we could say say a representation of the truth in a particular form for the sake of conveying meaning. That's what people miss when they read the account of the nativity, or some people miss. They focus on certain factual points in the narrative and try to consider each one in detail, as if trying to decide if they find it credible. Did Mary really get pregnant by the intervention of the Holy Spirit? Was Jesus really born in a stable in Bethlehem? 
Did the angels and the shepherds and the wise men really come to adore Jesus in the manger? And as I'm sure you've noticed, a single Christmas season doesn't go by without some so-called historian or theologian or artist in the newspaper or on TV trying to tell people that the details of the nativity story are just made-up myths. Details trying to dress up the narrative to give it a meaning. To connect Jesus to some other mythological account from ancient times or something like that. Well, they're actually half right. We would do well to recall the words of C.S. Lewis that the story of Christ is something that we should consider a true myth. But not a true myth in the way that we might think of a pagan myth as true. A made-up story meant to express some other truth. Rather, Christianity is God expressing his own truth, using real human characters and events as his material. Thus, the account of the nativity in Luke's gospel introduces us to the truth of Jesus Christ, a truth that is not meant to simply inform us with facts, but to transform us as persons. Not to just give us facts, though of course those are important, but to give us the key, the meaning. Yes, Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise made to King David according to the law. Jesus is the fulfillment of every Old Testament promise made to the patriarchs. He is the Son of Man. But Jesus is also born of a virgin, coming into this world by a miracle because he is the God of creation, not bound by any human agency. In this way, the scriptures express to us who Jesus really is, both God and man, both contained in history and transcending it, the person in whom both creator and creation rests. He is, in his person, the world redeemed, both by its unfolding as well as by the hand of God. Unlike a myth, the story of the birth of Jesus points us not to a kind of narrow, singular truth about some particular question, but rather to an actual person in whom the hope of the world rests. In doing so, the nativity points itself beyond even the person of Jesus considered as truth personified, because it's meant to teach us personally about our own relationship to him. That's why we learn about Mary and Joseph and the shepherds as well. They're not just background characters, foils for Jesus in the manner of pagan mythology. Mary is instead the very model of the Christian life. Her virginity is not just a physical fact about her, though it is that, but it is an icon of her sinless purity. It's meant to express to the rest of us who are not sinless that it is by keeping all these things and treasuring them in our hearts that we find our own relationship to Christ. It is the way that we ourselves, like her, are transformed. In the same way, Joseph's role in the story is not just to provide a character who is the legal guardian of Jesus. In Joseph's doubts and in the assurances that he is given by an angel, to take up the mantle as the guardian of the Holy Family, Joseph is the model of mission, to show us 
how we ourselves are to respond to the supernatural calling of God despite our human frailty. The shepherds, too, are models for us. An example for those who feel themselves, perhaps even on this Christmas day, too far from God. That something perhaps separates us, whether of our own doing or someone else's. That we feel outside of his mercy and love. Like the shepherds who tended to the sheep in the middle of the night, the outcasts of society. God seeks them out first and foremost. His angels shine on those who dwell in darkness. The highest compliment that we can pay to a story is to say that it is engrossing. It draws you in. You don't want to put the book down. You don't want to change the channel. It transforms you because you identify with it so closely that you are invested in the outcome. That's why God has called us here to celebrate this Christmas Mass. Because God gave us the Eucharist in order that we, too, might experience that kind of engrossing connection to our Savior. That we might become more like Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, who gazed upon the Christ child and were forever transformed by it.